0: Keep those prayer sheets close to you. Continue to pray. Continue to pray. And let's turn in the Bible now to 2 Timothy chapter 1. All right, so for the past couple Wednesday nights... Uh, We have been talking about us getting better at sharing our testimony, all right? And I want to challenge you all to write it out. And we're going to get around here soon to uh, encouraging you all to share your testimony, share your story, all right? In the bulletin tonight, it says help for sharing your story. We're going to look at what some of the things that Paul says right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. You may know this passage, but it will really encourage you in this direction as we're thinking about that, all right? Um, we need to think uh, uh, long and hard about what does it mean now for, for our church to have a witness? What does it mean for our church to have an evangelistic witness? Are we pointing people to Christ? That's a big question. It's a big question for us as pastors. It's a big question for us as a church. Are we pointing people to Christ? You know, as I, thought, as I, as I think about this all the time, you just take any given Sunday morning, right? Of course, something wild could happen, but when, when we get to the end of a service, right, and we, and we have an invitation here, is there even anybody in our midst that would potentially need to respond to the call to salvation? In a lot of Sundays, in many churches, there, there isn't, right? I mean, we're looking at here tonight that every single person here has trusted in Christ and has been baptized. And so let's think a little bit beyond that. So then does our church have a witness? Now, don't get me wrong. All of us need the gospel. We all need to be pointed to Christ, and we continue to preach that. And tonight, we need to renew ourselves for uh, repenting of our sins and trusting in Christ. And that's all fine and good, and that's healthy church, and we're going to continue to do that under the name of discipleship and making disciples there. But... Thinking about next Sunday and thinking about the rest of this year and thinking about all the way into all of 2022, let's say, you know, 52 weeks, 12 months, will we as a church witness to somebody? Will unbelievers be called to repentance? Will we ask somebody to believe? Will those unbelievers sit there thinking in their minds, they think I'm lost. They think I need Jesus. Jesus. I've been thinking about getting saved. I need to be forgiven of my sins. This is where we need to be thinking. And if we're not thinking that way, then perhaps we really don't have a witness. Now, don't get me wrong. We're doing a lot, and I thank God for it. And we're in a good spot to have a witness. And God has given us many opportunities to share the gospel. My question is, are we? And beyond that, my question really is, are are all of us? Are we we moving in that direction? Now, the Bible does describe that there's such thing as the gift of evangelism. And so there are some people who are just ready for that. And they wish right now that somebody would walk down this hallway tonight and ask them, hey, by the way, man, I've been thinking about getting saved. You got any advice for me, right? And they would be ready to jump on that conversation, right? And not everybody is that ready for it. But every one of us must be involved with it. And one of the ways that you really can be involved with the witness of the church, of pointing people to Christ, is through thinking through your your testimony. And so we're wanting to help you, we're wanting to serve you, we're wanting to pastor you well and equip you to be able to do that, all right? A couple Wednesday nights ago, I gave you four points that I want you to remember. Many of you all weren't there, so we're gonna go over those again, okay? So if you will, grab your phone to take notes or grab a pen and paper to take notes right there on the bulletin. And here we are. Number one, in your story, thinking through your story, you should include your life before you met Christ, how you met Christ, and your life after Christ. That's number one. Before, meeting, and after. That's why so often in a testimony, people start with how they were raised. Then there comes a time where they met Christ, my friend invited me to church. I started going to a youth group. I went to this ministry while I was in college. A coworker from uh, work invited me to come to their church. Somebody at work was reading their Bible, right? Something like that created an opportunity for you to hear the gospel. And then God saved you, changed you, and then we hear your life after, okay? I had a conversation with somebody this week, this week. And I said, I said, have you turned to the Lord? Are you trusting in Christ? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? I said those three things in one. before I stopped to let them answer. Have you turned to the Lord? Are you trusting in Christ? Have you asked God to forgive you of your sins? I had that conversation with somebody this week. It was on Friday. And their answer was, Well, I've been doing that my whole life. See, when I hear that, I don't hear much before, meeting, and after. They didn't come out the womb following Jesus. I know that. They didn't grow up through grade school following Jesus. I know that, right? Had to be some point where they had to bow the knee and turn the heart toward Christ and ask for forgiveness, right? Now, I know the person. They weren't meaning they grew up in the most godly home ever, and so when they were three years old, they were quote, quoting Scripture and ready to get saved. That's not what they were meaning. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a concern. And so when we start to share our story, we want to make clear to people, I, I used to sin openly. I used to do this, and I was convicted of it. I didn't know Christ. I'd never believed on him. I had never heard the word. I wasn't involved with church. I didn't read the Bible. And here's how I came to know it. Here's how I started to hear it. Friend at church, <clears throat> friend at work, watched it on TV. Somebody brought me a sermon CD to listen to it. Something like that. You understand? So you need to start thinking through that. Now, let me be honest. I've tried to, I tried to make this point this morning. I'm not sure if people got it. If, if you already, so we're I'm on, my, on this first point. If you already are thinking, I don't really know if I ever really came to know Christ. Let us know. Turn to him now. Believe. Run to Christ believing. Do not think you're a Christian not being a Christian. Make it right now. Believe in him. And then when you tell your story, you say, I went to a Sunday night church one time and Josh was saying the same old thing that he says all the time and I realized I didn't know him. I didn't know Jesus. So number one is identify your life before him, how you came to know him, you heard the gospel, you heard about the cross, you heard about the work that he did and now you can see your life changed afterward. All right? Now, It's not that big of a deal that you know the date or whatever, but you know the difference between God entering your life, all right? That's number one. Number two, since the Bible makes so clear that we are saved by faith and repentance, be specific in telling your story that you believed and you repented. Let's put that wording in there. And I don't mean just like the way you write this out in a nice book report or essay or something like that. I just mean talking to somebody. Even if you wanted to say it in two sentences, like, "Man, I was lost as can be. Fran invited me to church. I heard the gospel, and I've been changed ever since." If that's your testimony, praise the Lord. Say, "I was lost as can be. If Fran invited me to church, I heard the gospel, and I believed on Christ." I repented of my sins and he saved me and I've been the same ever since. You hear that? That's like three or four sentences. That's your whole story. Praise God for it. But you said, I believed. I believed. Faith and repentance. Everybody got that? Because the Bible makes it so clear that we are saved by faith and repentance. One must believe in their heart who Christ is, that God raised him from the dead, that he is Lord. One must confess it with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, okay? So faith and repentance. We also must understand that we have to turn away from our sins. And one of the things that repentance does in stating the word repenting is making clear that you know that you've sinned and you need to be forgiven of your sins and so that repentance is in play. Without repentance, we will not be saved. A turning away from our sins. And so including faith and repentance is very biblically accurate, all right? Number one, before, meeting, and after. Number two, faith and repentance. Number three, always remember that this is a story about what God's doing in your life, not a story about your life, all right? As you're crafting this, as you're thinking through this, don't forget that. This is a story about what God's doing in your life, not just about what you're doing in your life, okay? This morning, I made the point that we cannot just be the sum of a bunch of good decisions. And if you got good mom and dad, and if you got good grandparents, and you got good people around you, you start attending a good church, hopefully you're starting to make a whole lot better decisions. That's not our testimony. That's not our testimony, all right? Our testimony is about what God is doing in our lives. God brought this friend into my life. God allowed me to hear the gospel. God convicted me of my sins. God led me to go and tell somebody that I needed to get saved. God led me to ask him for forgiveness. God forgave me of my sins and gave me peace. In the inside of me right now, regardless of what any of you all say, there is peace. God did that, right? And it's a story about what God is doing. Out of nowhere, God led me to this church. There's a family in our church right now, this is a cool story, right? There's a family in our church right now that's been coming to our church for about a year and a half. And last year at homecoming, we weren't even sure that we were gonna have homecoming because it was in COVID. Not, not 2021 homecoming, 2020 homecoming. It was in the, right in the middle of COVID. We didn't know what we were gonna be able to do. So we decided to just do kind of like a halfway homecoming, and the entire thing was outside. And for the first time ever, we catered the whole thing, all right? And it was outside. And, and somehow, because we did that, a family came for the first time ever. It wasn't long after that. when wasn't long after that two of them trusted in Christ, got baptized, and now they're a part of our church. And that was a year and a half ago. And just this past Thursday, the mom and wife in the family was in Thursday morning Bible study. She's there consistently, and she's growing in the Word, Right? Well, it's neat to be able to think about, okay? It's neat to be able to think about all that God did in that story of how God just led them here with zero relationships. Nobody invited them. It wasn't, we didn't send out a flyer. I'm not even sure how it all happened, but God led them here on that day to connect on a day where we had a meal that was the first time anybody in our church had ever met them and relationships happened that day. Some people sat down with them, and the rest is history. God did that, and saying that God did that makes it way more clear that we're understanding Scripture and truth and the working of God than just saying, well, I just figured we needed to start going to church. Things weren't going so well, so we went, we met some really nice people, and we've been going ever since. If you believe the Bible that it's God that saves, saying those things, those two different ways, makes all the difference. Does that that make sense? You follow me on that? Yeah? Okay. Number one, before meeting and after. Number two, faith and repentance. And, and uh, uh, number three, a story about what God is doing in your life, not just a story about your life. I mean, we're all here for biography. I mean, we all like biographies, but a biography is not necessarily a testimony. Lastly, number four, since the Bible teaches us that we come to know the truth through the Scriptures that the Bible is the word of God that makes us wise unto salvation, since the Bible is God's word speaking to us to inform us and teach us, enlighten us, right? Then it is really good when you tell your story to include some Bible, however you wanna do that. You don't necessarily have to craft a sermon, you don't have to like have lots of Bible verses, but because the Bible is the source of where we're getting the message of salvation, when we tell our story, let's include a Bible verse, or multiple Bible verses, or a passage that you read, or the way God turned your heart toward him through the truth, something you heard, something in the sermon, what the sermon was about, a Bible verse that somebody shared with you, or, or, or anything like that, all right? Now, before we get into 2 Timothy chapter 1, any questions about those four things, Any questions about any of that? I don't want us to be skeptical of of people's stories and skeptical of testimonies, uh, but I do want us to be able to identify like, yeah, that sounds like what the Bible says God does in people's lives. God changes lives. The Bible says that God changes hearts. The Bible says that God gives new hearts. The Bible says that God opens eyes. The Bible says that God opens ears. The Bible says that God raises the dead to life. The Bible says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. The Bible says all that. So when we're talking about how we became a Christian, those components ought to be the the subject. Those components ought to be the, the pieces that are in it. And it becomes really solid, if you want to use that word, really strong, a lot of substance to it when we're talking about who we are and this identity that we have and this involvement that we have in church and we speak about it in the ways that God speaks about it. All right? Any questions about any of it? All right, 2 Timothy chapter one. This is Paul's second letter to Timothy. Timothy is his his young guy that he's been been mentoring. It's in 2 Timothy chapter one right here in verse five where he gives a shout out, if you will, to Timothy's mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois, for how they they, they, they grew him or they they taught him the scriptures as he was growing up. And now in verse uh, six of chapter one, Paul says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. He wants to see Timothy grow up strong into living out by the power of the Spirit this calling that God has placed on his life. And all that's good. Tonight we start at verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. All right, let's stop there for a second. If the testimony is true, okay, now this is the testimony about Christ. If the story of Christ is true, right? If the story of Christ is true, this is really God who came to us in the flesh, lived his life for us, changed the world, taught the world, right? We have... Teachings from Christ that you and I are following even now. If this story is true, that the greatest teacher ever was opposed and hated and killed and crucified on the cross, and they buried him in the grave, he should not have died, but they killed him. And then he rose again, and he lives, and he, he reigns on high forever. If that's true, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of that be absolutely certain and confident and courageous and bold that that very story of Christ is what is motivating my entire life. And just like was said tonight, the world is deteriorating. If the whole world, 8 billion people, is deteriorating away, the testimony of Christ is true, and I believe it, and I'm experiencing it in my life. So he tells Timothy, don't be ashamed of that but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. He's sharing testimony there is what he's doing. He's talking about his calling. He's talking about his purpose. He's talking about the reason why he suffers and that God is doing it by his grace and for his purposes, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Verse 10, in which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Now stop here. there's a big break here. and at verse 12, he gets at what I want us to focus on tonight, right here after that period. He says again the word "ashamed." In verse 8, he told Timothy to not be ashamed. In verse 12, he says, I am not ashamed. Now, when we start talking about, are we scared? Are we embarrassed? Are we shy? Are we intimidated? Are we ashamed of our story and of our Christianity and of our faith? What it does is it calls into question how real it is, right? I'm not talking about things like personality differences. I'm not talking about things like being uh, outgoing or not, or an extrovert or an introvert. But I'm talking about, do you believe it really? And are you ashamed of that? And so, in certain situations where you talk and you're very much so out there and strong and boisterous and, and seemingly confident, you just don't talk about the truth like you're ashamed of it. There's a baptism testimony that comes from a couple centuries ago where before somebody would get baptized in the church, they'd have to stand up and, and share their testimony. Some churches do this now. But they'd have to get up in front of people and, and talk. Sometimes that's good. When it's a good one, it's really good, but not, not everybody does that, all right? And this guy got up on stage just a couple centuries ago. This guy gets up on stage, and the pastor is there, and he says, so t- tell, us, tell us what the Lord has done for you. And he just froze up. He didn't say anything. And he couldn't. He was getting nervous. Over the years since I've been here, I've known some men like that. Some men that just, no matter what, they could not speak in front of people. They just kind of clammed up and just couldn't. They'd get so nervous, they'd get embarrassed. I've been doing house visits with many people, faithful people that love to do house visits. They sign up to say, Josh, I'd love to go do some house visits with you. And when we would walk into a house, when we would walk into a house, he'd say, "Look, please, no matter what, do not, actually, do not ask me to say anything." Today. I been out people that want to visit; they 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 love the visits. They think it's important that we're doing that. But when we would walk in, they would say, "Don't." So this guy's on stage, and the pastor is saying to him, "What's your testimony?" And he couldn't say anything, and the, and it gets awkward. And the pastor says, "Well, if if if." If you can't tell us what the Lord's done for you, then I'm afraid that you're not, you're not ready to be baptized. It got real awkward in front of the congregation, right? That would be really awkward. When we're up there about to have, baptize somebody, and I just ask them, wait, what, what's your profession of faith? And they say, Jesus is Lord. We're always a little bit nervous that they might not even say that. And I wonder, like, what would I do in that situation, right? Well, I'll say Jesus is Lord for them because I know they mean it, right? Well, that would be awkward, wouldn't it? but it was one of those things. And this guy says, I can't. And so finally, he's not saying a word. He's just frozen up there on stage. Finally, the pastor says, well, sir, I'm sorry about this, but I'm going to have to ask you to sit down and and you can't get baptized. And so as the man is going back to his seat, kind of with his head hung, uh, the story goes that he says, I may not be able to speak for He had his head down. I'm not on the microphone when I walk away. I was supposed to wear the mic tonight. Sorry about that, David. As he was walking away, he said, "I may not be able to speak for Christ, but I sure would die." For him. And the pastor said, "Wait a second! Wait a second! What was that?" And he said, "I, I said I'd die for Christ." He said, hey, "That's a testimony right there." This brother just said he's willing to die for Christ. Let's baptize him. And we need to understand that, right? That's what he's talking about here when he says, "Do not be ashamed." Do you believe who Christ is, what he's done, the testimony about him? He came to us. He was born of a virgin, how he lived, how he taught, what we know about him, that he was crucified, and that ever since then, he's been changing lives and challenging his people and empowering his people to go out and tell the world. We have a commandment. We have a commission from our Savior, our Lord, to go and tell, go and tell, go and tell. And so we are wanting to equip ourselves and equip the church to be people who want to tell this story. Not everybody gets a platform like this. Not everybody gets to speak in a church. But every one of us have a story to tell if that story about Christ is true and it's being working in our lives. This is what he's saying here. Go back to verse 12. But I am not ashamed, the middle of verse 12. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. You See that line? I know whom I have believed. He knows about Christ. He knows who Christ is. He knows what the Bible says, and he knows that that's what's happened in his life. The Bible says that God convicts of sin. I felt that. The Bible says that God leads to repentance. I felt that. The Bible says that God forgives sin and after that he cleanses our conscience, removes our guilt, and gives us peace. I felt that. Jesus has done that in my life. He's doing that in my life. That's the story of my life. I know whom I have believed. Look what he says next. And I am convinced that that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. The message the gospel, the ministry, the mission. I want to challenge you to start thinking through your story like this, what the Bible says about it. I want to challenge you to start jotting down some notes. Perhaps you took those four points tonight and you can start saying, well, I was about this age when I started hearing about Christ. I was about this age when I started telling somebody that I wanted to be saved. I was about this age when I started hearing the gospel, the preaching started getting to me. And you start thinking through your before, when you met him and your after. You start thinking through, did you really repent and believe? Are you repenting and believing? When was the first time you believed and repented? You start thinking through your life more and more about what's God doing in my story, not just what I'm doing in my story. May your story be so much more worshipful and glorious than just you learning to make better decisions. Any good teacher. Any good neighbor and any good ball coach will cause you to make better decisions. That's not the salvation that we have in Christ. May you be thinking through your story on, this is a story about what God's doing in my life. And may your commitment to church and your hearing sermon after sermon remind you that it is this book that is pointing you toward every bit of this. Jesus is Lord worthy of our lives, a savior of sinners, to God be the glory. And may those truths that we remind you about week after week become a part of your story. Start working on it. We're gonna start telling it to each other. We're still thinking through what's best, what's the best way to do it, but start working on it. May God use us to tell some people. May God use us to tell some people. Uh, sometimes I go over to Brad Overstreet's shop. Brad's a mechanic over here uh, down Third Street Road, and he's got his own, he's got his own shop. And uh, some of y'all have been in there before. It's, it's, uh, it's a small little shop. Got a small little waiting room. It's got two chairs in it, I think. But on the wall there, okay, on the wall there in his shop, there's a little like quarter page piece of paper, maybe half page piece of paper, not a full page. Has anybody ever seen it? Y'all know what it is? It's a picture of Patrick O'Brien throwing baseball. And you know what's printed out on that page? Small little paragraph of Patrick telling his story about how Jesus saved him. Patrick was 49 years old, grew up his whole life Catholic, went to St. X High School, went to U of L. And when he was 49, somebody invited him to a small little church over here, and he said, I had never, ever heard. The gospel, and God saved my soul, and I've not been the same since. That's a testimony, and Patrick has written it out in like a whole, whole page, and now he hands it out to people. There's power in that. Let's start crafting our story. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would use us to witness, to have a witness. God, use us to craft our story and write it out. God, we don't have to be great writers. We don't have to be good students to do this. But God, help us to think through the components of knowing whom we have believed in, not ashamed of the testimony of Jesus. Oh, God, help us to. And God, as you help us to do that, use it to see people impacted. God, I pray that there will be people saved from us sharing our story. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.